HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Just Egg. It's a butter egg made from plants. Bring more customers in your doors with Just Egg. Start with a free sample at ju.st hrn. This week on Meet and 3, we rethink surplus by exploring how innovators are promoting sharing mindsets and responding to excess in creative ways. The whole life cycle of food would be the third largest greenhouse gas emitter behind China and the United States if it were a country. You know, in the age of COVID, where a lot of those institutional processors did grind to a halt and a lot of farms had to dump milk in Pennsylvania, even while supermarket cases were, were bare, the organic market stayed strong. They source all of these ingredients, they do all of this work, and then they just boil it for a few minutes and then they throw it away. Tune in to Meet and 3, available wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Cooking in Mexican from A to Z. I'm your host, Aaron Sanchez, alongside my beautiful mother. Sarela Martinez. And today, it's all about moles, all right? We're going to demystify them. We're going to um, do our best to make sure that all of you guys out there who are lovers of the wonderful, iconic sauce um, from Mexico is going to be able to have, know the nuances, what it contains, how to use it. Hopefully, we'll be able to touch upon some of its cultural significance uh, it's something that's very special, a lot of people love, but I think do not know enough about. And today we're extremely blessed to have two people that I really admire and really respect and know for a long time. We have a, a mother-son team joining us today, which is wonderful because we've been kind of on this trend as of late. So uh, really excited about that. Uh, joining us today, we have, of course, the uh, the, the genius uh, Susanna Trilling. She's a chef, teacher, author in Oaxaca. She's also the director of Seasons of, of, of My Heart Cooking School in Oaxaca. She has been uh, probably one of the biggest uh, ambassadors for, for the cuisine of Oaxaca that I know. Uh, she's been, she moved down there in 1988. She's continued to live there and promote the culture and food. And, and she's just an absolute resource and gem. So I'm very delighted to have Ms. Susanna here with us. And then alongside her, we have, we have the the legacy, the, the 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 young man that's taking sort of the reins, and um, we have Kaylin Ulrich, of course, and um, I know Kayla for some time because I met him through Jonathan Waxman, and we've known about each other when he was chefing over at Bajo Sexto in Nashville, and now uh, he's he's uh, taking the reins. No pressure, just working with uh, Thomas Keller, no big deal. Uh, he's the chef over at La, at La Calenda 
in in Napa Valley, which is getting rave reviews, and the food is just unreal. Um, and Kaylin is just one of these super talented young chefs that's making sure that our food is is being preserved and cooked the right way. And just we're delighted to have both of you. So welcome, 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 bienvenidos. Y me da gracias. Mucho gusto, ¿no? and, uh, Thank you. Yes. And and I think what we should start really quickly because you know I think we have all different kinds of interpretations of what the mole really means and how how it is a metaphor for you know one's life, right? So, mom. When you started, you know, what was what was your first impression of, or how would you well, define Well, I mean, it? with all the research I've done, I finally have come down to what I think is the best definition. It's a pureed sauce with a thickener of some kind. And it's, it could be nuts, it could be tortilla, it could be masa, it could be bread. And uh, also it has aromatics usually, but not always. And it's some, sometimes it has spices, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it has herbs and sometimes it doesn't. The thing is that important that it's a main dish sauce. In pre-Hispanic times, it was served on its own with no protein. It was usually served ceremoniously with in rimless in in hand in bowl, and it, on one hand and tamales and tortilla on the other, and that was it, you know. But now, of course, it's usually served with some kind of protein, though not always. So uh, we can take it from there. So wh- maybe Susana, you could tell us what your favorite mole is. With that description, I guess. Okay, with that description, because I have a little different point of view on what mole is, but um, oh well, give it to tell me. Okay, okay. So my point of view on mole is that it's a mixture or concoction, and it comes from the verb moler, which means to grind. And by grinding, originally it was ground on the metate, and but even guacamole is avocado mixture. And so we use mole here in Oaxaca very loosely. Like we could say like a bean mix, we say the mole de frijol. Like we use it as a name of a mixture of things. But I also think what is more commonly known as mole is the sauces that you're saying. And I agree with all that. But I think the one of the most important things is you shouldn't taste one ingredient over the rest. It should be like a harmonious sauce, like that actually comes out with its own personality. You know what I'm saying? So I think if like, if you can really taste the cinnamon and the mole, it's like the cook has messed up and put too much cinnamon in there. Like it shouldn't, it should really. And so we do it through technique and, and the different ingredients is, well, that's a whole other thing that we'll probably get into, but um, that's, that's what I think. So, because I really think that it, it really started before the Spanish came and oh, because yeah. I read the Florentine codices and they talk about it. It was called Muli, like M-U-L-L-I with two dots over the U. And it was, they just took like the dried chilies and seeds and wild garlics and ground everything. And then they made paste balls, dried them in the sun, like in Sicily, like in the tomato sauce, tomato paste. They dried it, and then when the feast came, the feast days came. They came, they would reconstitute that with whatever um, protein because they would hunt for the feast days, and they would cook them in these ollas so they could actually chew the meat and then use that broth to reconstitute the mole. And to answer your question, wait, my favorite mole is chichilo. <laughs> so we'll get into that description, but I think it's very important to this, the fact that they all don't have chocolate. 
Because I think oh, that's yes. what, that's one of the big misconceptions because people even call it the chocolate sauce. Right, right. And I agree with that because I think because of the notoriety of having chocolate in a savory dish, although it's much more used now, but I think that's um, very true because we have so many mollies that don't have chocolate. Kaylin, what, what, how old were you when you were first exposed? I mean, obviously because of your mom, but from li very little. But when's the first time that you started to think that I can attempt a mole, I can understand some of its nuances and its complexities? Like, do you remember that first moment? Because I remember the first time I went to Oaxaca. In my memoir, it's the first part of my, it, 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 it's, it's the first, the, the introduction is my moment of going to Dia de los Muertos and going to the Panteón and seeing mole and, so that it was that profound for me. Do, do you have a moment like that? I think I was very, I don't know, like spoiled with the mole, but going to school and then coming back and then going to my mom's house or the cooking school, everybody's making mole like in the cooking class. So I kind of grew up eating it, but my first memory of it, probably the young boy in Oaxaca just eating it in my mom's house. And then the first time we went to La Fiesta del Pueblo, which was in San Lorenzo, Cacao de Pegasus, process that takes three four days just all the señoras making mole and then everybody's having a huge party and we you get to sit down tortillas arroz maybe a little piece of chicken and you're just eating this mole that just took forever and it's just like so deep you know and it's just the the way they do it and then you go to a different pueblo and they add completely might be almost the same one but it has secret ingredients or ingredients that you would never think of like you go up the mountain and they put ginger in their mole or apples and you, you have no idea. And then they're like, oh, ginger is actually a, um, it helps with digestion. It's good for all this stuff. It, todo eso is like, you just see all small little villages around next to each other, completely different, you know, from all the cooks. But going back to that, I think, um, yeah, I mean, when I was growing up, it's eating the mole and, and like, I think I was like all the time. And now I'm fortunate enough when I make it, I have, the well, when I go and go for taste, it just brings me back to that memory of the childhood eating mole, you know. And it's kind of like my mm. foundation kind of guideline, like, okay, I'm close, I know I'm close, so it's a very special thing, mom. Let's bring up a contentious point, <laughs> shall we? The idea of the mole poblano versus Oaxaca, okay. Now, I think when most people, especially in the states, think about mole, they think of the traditional mole poblano. And I have a theory, and I'd be interested to hear from our distinguished panel and your thoughts. I think the mole poblano is, 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 is considered the most popular because there's so many poblanos that have migrated to, to the States as versus Oaxaqueños. So I just think there, there's something to be said about that. W what are your thoughts? Go ahead, Mom. Okay. Well, I, um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, here in Oaxaca, we don't go for that story of that the the poblanos invented mole because we we know that it was always been made, uh, and I think that they they invented their style because it's very different, not very different, but different chilies, different seasonings, the how they thicken. I mean, it really is different. But I think um, yes, I think because of um, the outreach of the mole poblano that that's that's why people think of it in their head because it's probably the first kind of mole they try. Because probably the one that was made commercially too with Doña Maria. The Doña Maria, I was going to say that. Exactly. Yeah, because, and that's, I think, you know, so I, people come and they're surprised when they come 
especially when there's when we make amarillo or other kind of mole in the class and they're like what's what's this you know because they consider the mole poblano like what it's supposed to be but um but to us in Oaxaca, the mole negro is like the king of moles. I think that the mole negro is a good place to start because that's really hard to do without if you don't have the right chilies and you know and to get that black thing the, the black color. You know, one one woman said to me, "Queman los chiles." They burn the chilies, and and, yeah. and and then the thing is that they burn you know they burn the seeds as well. But, you know, one of the things that I wanted to mention when you mentioned uh, ginger is that as a digestive, I have a theory, and maybe we can discuss this, that they burn a lot of the things which produces the carbon, which is also a natural antacid. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That's yeah. true. And Susanna and then Kaylin, of course, chime in. I mean, we've, we've, made, we've made at my restaurant in New Orleans the mole negro on occasion because it's so hard to get the chihuacle mm-hmm. negro which is so essential to make that mole. Talk a little bit about how distinct some of the chiles are and some of the ingredients and the technique as far as burning the seeds and which might seem so, so foreign to some people. Okay. So when, I mean, when we, uh, it's like way back, like you said, man, where everybody kind of had a conception of like mole or you at home, where it's like mole has to have chocolate. And when we start doing the mole, it's like you have something like mole verde, a little more acidic, you can have such a nuance with it, you you can go different ways and people kind of new to it, taking it and then you, you're you starting to bring in, I don't want to say more complex moles like Coloradito, then you go to Chichilo and then um, like my first time I make Chichilo here and I'm burning the seeds and everybody's looking at it like, are you aware of what's happening right now? I'm like, yeah, it's normal, they burn and everybody's kind of like... <laughs> You really shouldn't be burning stuff in the kitchen. I'm like, chef, it's okay. Trust me. And then, you know, everything burns out, and then you soak it. And it's everybody like the biggest misconception of people that I think they have is that Mexican food is easy to cook, it's cheap, todo eso. That's a different conversation. But the mole has so much technique. It's so much technique. Just like if you're making a roulade of any sort of French type of cuisine or Asian or anywhere. And in the mole, I mean, you're you're burning the seeds, you're rinsing it off three times, and you're cooking it for a long uh, time to make sure you achieve that flavor. And it's just something that, it's it's something that we all here in this beautiful panel have the job to ha- have the education here because it's a big misconception that in the Mexican culture, Mexican food, it's just like, it's easy, it's easy. It's, it should be $2 and it's like, there's so much behind it. It's like a lot of pride in culture, you know? Yep. Susana, lo enseñaste bien, ¿ah? Fíjate. You taught him Babe, to your point, uh, Chef Aron, the, honestly, the chihuacle, when I was, I didn't have a lot of chihuacle until I came to California and New York, but it was more, like, when I was in the South, I never came across with it. And now I still don't come across with it if you don't know a person like you know tienes to connect in mexico mandame chihuacle okay or si no i'm gonna go see mom the ba- uh, the suitcase <laughs> is completely stuffed <laughs> are you doing customs welcome yeah. back home and then and it's yeah. expensive it's, it's like when i the first time i heard about not chihuacle but i heard pasilla oaxaqueño it was like 50 dollars a pound you're like i know that's i mean that's very expensive for a restaurant to make it economically it's kind of like wow this is but it's it's so special, you know. So Chihuahua Negro, we're 
we're where we where I'm at right now, we're lucky enough to we have a connection, which is my mom, so <laughs> we get the chili straight from the source. E, and it's a it's a great way to still preserve that that ingredient that I know, mom, you said about chihuacla amarillo's extent, right? Something like that. It's very hard to get. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the amarillo, no? Okay. Susana? Well, the um, chihuacle is interesting because it only grows in one microclimate. You know, Oaxaca has more microclimates than any other state in Mexico. And it's like, so this one microclimate where it grows, and now it's, there's like really about two or three people who grow the chili still, who still are doing it because it's something like, well, the young people, they go off and they, it's a hard crop to grow. And so um, the Chihuacle Negro, now there's more of it. And the price has actually gone down because some chefs, I think it was Ricardo Munoz, Zurita started, maybe with Enrique Olvera, and they started to help some of the farmers uh, get greenhouses to grow the Chihuacle in. So it helped, you know, guarantee the crop more. And then that kind of caught on. They got some kind of Becca or something. And then... Um, so there's, it seems to me now that there's a good supply of Chihuacle Negro. And then the Chihuacle, there's three. There's Chihuacle Rojo, Negro, and the Amarillo. And there's a restaurant in Colorado, I think it's an Aspen or something, where the guy comes every year and he lives in, in San Juan Bautista Cuicatlan and he has somebody grow the, the Chihuacle Amarillo he dries it in a secret place, and then he takes it all. And there's oh, yeah. hardly, there's so few, there's hardly any Chihuacle Amarillo on the market. Well, if you ever see a chili that is smooth and looks kind of like a bell pepper, not a bell pepper, but it's not, doesn't have that wrinkly, you know, uh, mm -hmm. texture that a lot of chilies have, you know, you know, you found a Chihuacle. Yeah, they're round. They look yeah. like a giant cascabel chili, no, like cascabel yeah. small, but mm -hmm. it looks round. But it has a flavor that is so revered. I mean, people pay like 400 a kilo, which is a lot, but people always put it in the Moli Negro. And, yeah. and but mm. it's, you know, I mean, some people I'm sure don't because they can't afford it, but it seems like people spring for, you know, a couple in there because it really is symbolic and respect, like Mole Negro, I think, commands so much respect because it's made on the most important days of a person's life, like at a wedding or a ba mm -hmm. baptismal or something. And and I think that people really go all out for these events. You know, Oaxaca is so steeped in tradition that people really respect that, even if they have to sell, you know, a cow or something that well they do they have they do to, yeah. to have to be the mayordomo of these big fiestas people go into debt or they somebody's working up in the states or something like that seriously to have these big parties yeah but i think the thing about burning the seeds okay mm -hmm. so the chihuacle they do and like what they do here when we have like we produce mole paste as well uh, you have to do your chilies and then aerate them or else it just will taste so much mm -hmm. like smoke. Because like you were saying, Sorella with the carbon aspect, like you to create that flavor, like it's like it is so strong, the smell. And then um you you aerate them like in these canastas and then 
you would use them. So people will have a party before a fiesta where they to quemar los chiles. And then all the women, all the comadres, everybody who's all together, the extended family, they will all go and they'll go outdoors to a field. They'll make little, um, they'll have the comals on three stones. They build the fire and then they'll just burn all the chilies for the fiesta. It could be a lot. And then they, they do mm. all the chilies black. It's not burning, burning, but it's toasting them very black. And yeah. then the seeds mm -hmm. are taken out and then the seeds is what really gives the color. The seeds are toasted yep. and then they get, oh, when you toast the seeds, all the oil comes up and and then you have to actually torch them. You you just get a piece of paper underneath the fire or a piece of lanya. You put it on top, the oil catches like that and then you burn off the oil or it'll be too hot to actually eat. It would, you know, it. so you burn off that oil and then it becomes like ash basically. And that's what, like Kalen was saying, that I'm happy he says that, that you have to rinse it like three times to get rid of, because you don't want your mole to come out of marga. Or so you don't want your, to yeah, come out really bitter. bitter. Sorry. You know, that's that's like yeah. a big no-no. What can people use here if they can't find the the, the Chihuahua Negro? You know, what I've, I've come up with something that I've been doing because you know how hard it is to make mole in, in a blender and then put it through, you know, through a sieve. And, you know, a lot of people don't. And, and, I'm, and, I'm, and love you, I would love your opinion about it. I've come up with doing toasting the chilies until they're black in the oven but not burned and then pureeing that. You know, so grinding that so it's mm -hmm. a lot easier to add to a, to the rest of the mixture. It's, it's as like a powder. As like as a powder. Oh, what is uh huh. Because it makes it it makes it it makes yeah. it easier for to, for people to do it in a home because you know most blenders unless you have a Vitamix, I mean, you'll be there for for three days. You know, grinding that 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 pig. Well, one, I think I think you bring up a good point about the home cook, and I think it's important to mention. I think, uh, Miss Susanna, about you go to a Mercado Central de Abastos in in Oaxaca City. You go there, and you're gonna. What are you gonna find? You're gonna go to a little puesto or stand that's gonna have, in essence, all the ingredients to make the moles, right. very traditional. And then you'll also see, right? You'll see right. pace. Can you talk a little bit about how people can? Uh, how people, if they were to travel to Oaxaca and they would go to a mercado like Central de Abastos mm -hmm. or whichever, or go to your school, how would okay. you find it? Well, pitch time. Hold up, pitch time. Susana <laughs> is producing some paste that she's selling now. Great. And she's, she's got a whole business, yep. so that's a, you have to look for them under what brand is this, Susana? It's Seasons of My Heart. Seasons of My Heart brand. And where can people get it? Well, um, they right now we are at Zingerman's and we're on at um, a place called Food Related in um, San Antonio, Texas. And then you can also go to Seasons of My Heart dot um, com, and we have it there. And we also sell a lot to food service. We sell a lot to chefs because a lot of chefs can't don't can't like smoke chilies in their dining, you know, in the because it'll go out into the restaurant. Yeah. Uh, it's a good way to get rid of um, <laughs> your customers. <laughs> but, um, you know, actually, you know, people, people, when we have this roof and um, at the ranch, and we always used to burn chilies once a year to get rid of the snakes in the roof. Like ch burning chilies has a lot of, there's a lot of different things you can use it for, not just mole. 
This episode is brought to you by Just Egg. You can't have plant-based breakfast without a plant-based egg. Just Egg is now the fastest growing egg brand in the United States. Bring more plant-based customers into your doors with easy-to-use Just Egg. You can get started with a free sample. Just head to ju.st/hrn. Made from plants, Just Egg is a better egg for you and for the planet. It's healthier with no cholesterol and less saturated fat. And it's more sustainable. Just Egg uses less water and generates fewer carbon emissions. Most importantly, it's delicious. For our listeners who operate a food service establishment, you can get a sample for free. Head to ju.st/hrn. Just Egg makes a delicious plant-based addition to any menu. It's available as a liquid scramble, great for omelets, frittatas, stir-fries, and french toast. There's also frozen pre-baked folded version that's ideal for filling breakfast sandwiches or topping salads. Chef Jose Andres called Just Egg mind-blowing. And Bon Appetit says, "So good, I feel guilty eating it." Put the fastest-growing egg brand on your menu. Get a free sample of Just Egg for your restaurant at ju.st/hrn. This is an opportunity for both of you to please let people know where they can find you and use you as a resource. I know, Kaylin, you're at, at making so many, so much noise at that restaurant that you're at right now, La Calenda. I can't tell you. How many people tell me how delicious the food is? It's a game changer in Napa, and 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 I'm very proud of you, and 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 I know Chef Jonathan Waxman is proud of you, and so um, how has been the experience? How has people been uh, receiving the, the food that you're cooking, and with the kind of sort of mentoring of TK and Thomas Kelly? Well, and all that? thank you very much, Chef. Lo único que falta es que vengas tú echando unos mezcales. I'm waiting for you, Chef, and you as well, Carla. But um, thankfully, it's been, it's been uh, obviously the last year has been a couple of challenges on the road, you know, but we open incredibly busy from the start. I, like, uh, like I don't said, it's a addition to Napa that I don't think it was here when Chef Keller had the opportunity to open a venue in Yonville. I mean, he already has three restaurants in the same, literally in the same street. How are you going to build another one before you start competing with each other? You know, so it's. What do you do? What is not in Yambo? Mm -hmm. And he saw Mexican food. There's not a good Mexican food in, in Yambo. And he said, well, that's kind of the idea of him, like reaching out to uh, myself to see if we um, open this restaurant. And then when it happened, we opened the restaurant and it's been a great feedback. But like I said, it's, it's a start of introducing flavors, introducing ways how we eat in Mexico. We eat every, our spoon is a tortilla. We eat con las manos. We like to enjoy. It's all about the family sitting down, having a good time when you're eating in any kind of culture. But in Mexico, more than anything, it's very, va pegado al corazón, you know? So, pásame las tortillas, pásame la salsa, mm -hmm. all that we're bringing to Napa and you with the music, the ambience of the restaurant. And at the end of the day, it's the flavors, you know? Make sure you're, you're nurturing. We're nurturing people, you know? People vienen a comer. And TK has been, um, Chef Thomas has been very, <clears throat> very uh supportive supportive and he's just he's been a he doesn't he doesn't come in the kitchen like, oh, i know how to make cook mexican food he considers himself as a student which is incredibly humble for the whole kitchen yeah. to see that and then he's he's just blown up and just very happy to try new flavors and he hasn't been um too 
I don't want to say I exposed he's been to Mexico and stuff, but when the Yonville came, it was a great addition that we gave and we kind of just showed a little bit, a, a very, very small percentage of what Mexico is because Mexico is so vast and you never say, oh, this restaurant has it all. You know, tienes un poquito and we have, a, yeah. have the opportunity to expose a couple dishes. We had, a, when we opened, we had four moles on the menu. Uh, we have mole negro, which is the staple. With, and we, <clears throat> going back to the mole poblano, when we first opened, a lot of people were like, don't you guys put sesame seeds on it and stuff like that? I'm like, that's a good point. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's like mole poblano, sesame seeds. Mole negro, let's keep it traditional. Esto no va con sesame seeds on it. It goes inside, blend it, pero no va de garnish. You know, 50 ways to cook an egg. So did you learn or, or help your mother's cooking school, Seasons of My Heart? Yeah, it definitely, uh, definitely helped me a little bit. <laughs> and how proud are you, Susanna, of your son? Oh, I'm so proud. I'm, I'm awesome. I mean, I, when he was born, I held him and I said, this is better than being written up by Gourmet Magazine, which to me was like the <laughs> pinnacle of my life before that. No, and he's been, he was amazing because now during the pandemic, I'm going through like all these old papers, you know, everyone's cleaning out and and I was reading these letters that um, somebody saved and then sent back to me. And it, it was like Kaylin was three. We had a bed and breakfast on the ranch. And and I was like, oh, Kaylin's so into food. Now he's doing the breakfasts by himself. He's, you know, make, and I remember he was like three. He'd be on this chair and he'd be like, I can make hotcakes without, um, from scratch without a recipe. You know, I mean, he was always so into it. <laughs> that was my and, biggest pride, Chef Pancakes, eh? <laughs> no, I but I mean, he he grew up and and then well, I remember being with you guys, both of you, at a in an event in the CIA. It was like the Flavors of Mexico event. That's where I first met you guys. And um, but I would be invited to these food and wine um, events, like in Austin and everything. And I would take him and his brother Jesse, and they would be. They, you know, they have these little chef coats and then I, I would do like a dish and I'd say, okay, you guys, here's the drill, make this thing and now do 500. And they'd be like, yeah, and they'd be like in their little goros and, you know, they would be so happy as long as they had Dr. Pepper, you know, they love Dr. Pepper. Love I'm very it. proud. I have to say I'm very proud. And I was very proud yeah. since he started at the Omni when he was 18, he left. Yep. So tell us about your cooking school because I I, people do go to Oaxaca specifically to go to your cooking school. And I, and I want people to be able it's to. It's so special. Yeah, it's really I've been. It's fabulous. Great. It's hands-on because we want people to get into the masa and get into the, you know, making the dishes themselves. Um, it's really kind of a culinary experience for people or a cultural experience because we take people to the market or we do chocolate on the metate now. We've done a lot of cheese making. We have like different programs. You can come for a day or you can come for a week. And I also do these 10 day tours um, to different areas. But um, it's really, really fun because the, but for me, the, the big thing about the kitchen, well, is the education. I, I, we have like an hour lecture and then everybody puts the apron on and everybody cooks, but the convivencia in the kitchen to me, is everything. That's, it's like convivencia is a great word. It, it means like hanging out together, you know, laughing, having a good time. And that's what I strive for in the classes, like to, for people to have fun, for people to learn, for people to try things. And then everybody, like each team, usually there's teams, 
and then they can present their dish how they want, or we have a way we present it. But if, especially when we work with chefs, because we learn so much from them, we're like, how would you present this in your place? And we've learned tremendous amount of things. And we've had lots of people. It's um, Kaylin's 28? Yes, chef. Okay, so I've had this school for 27 years. He was like the party favor. In the middle of the table, he'd be in like this little chair that bounced up and down and all the women would be cooking and then playing with the baby. And my first classes were for the local Mexican women, um, teaching them international food. And then I had to learn. I learned and learned. And then I started, people started asking me for cooking class when we had the B&B. So that's how it started. Wow. But um, it's it's really a lot of fun. Like it's so delicious too. The food is delicious. A lot of people say it's the highlight of their trip or, you know, it's some of the best food they've had in Oaxaca, but, and they create it. So it's really enabling. And that's what I like because, you know, recipes you can follow. There's like a, a beginning, a middle and an end, and then you get to eat the reward. So it's, it's very, um, they have to learn fulfilling. the technique though. They have to do. Well, the yeah, technique. we do the techniques. I have a, fabulous staff who really have been with, with me for a, a while. And um, they're the local women from San Lorenzo, Cacao Tepec, and they're really good. And um, so we work as a team. You know, we also do some catering events. It's the school we started in my house. Well, my um, ex's house, their kid's father, Eric, who's a farmer. And uh, he's an agronomist, I guess you would say more. He grows a lots of tomatoes and chilies and he um so we started in the school and then we got the money i got a pbs show and um with with um the same people with zarella did with wmht in new york and we um i got the money from random house because i i had a bonus built into my book contract that if the show played in the 50 major cities of the U.S., I could get a bonus. And that was the bonus. I built the school. And it, it's like a big temple. It looks, it, we call it the Temple of Good Food because it has mm -hmm. a dome. And, and everybody in the village thought that we found the gold that's supposed to be on the, hidden on the ranch somewhere. Yeah. And that we built this temple to say thank you. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> El Dorado, El Dorado de Mole. Yeah. I love it. And I, and I think, you know, for, 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 I mean, me personally, I think my mom shares the same sentiment. You know, you think about somebody like Diana Kennedy, who came to Mexico many years ago and, you know, is more, uh, I, I think, of a, of a professor of the food where you, I think, are a lot more approachable. I'm not taking away anything from Miss Diana, but uh, I think what you're doing is so beautiful because you're bringing people into your home and then you're, you're showing them not just one particular style, but many different kinds of techniques and and dishes that really exemplify the food. So I, I just uh, enough respect and kudos oh, thank to you, Susanna. You. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, I'm first a mom, but I'm second a chef. I mean, and I feel like, and then an anthropologist or all the other things that you have to become to really study a culture and study the food. But it's a great way for people to study the culture of not just Mexico, but in Oaxaca specifically, it has such a diverse culture. It's such an amazing part of Mexico. My my parents, my grandparents are from Durango and Tampico. But when I came to Oaxaca, mm -hmm. I was like, this is the Mexico I've been looking for my whole life. And then I, so I've been here 30, 
32 years or 33 years, something like that. Yeah, because it's so beautiful. And it's changed, but it hasn't changed all that much in a lot of ways. Like the markets and the costumes. Well, because people are so traditional and they keep all the festivals and they participate. You know, that's a very, like you say, the mayordomo, you said the mayordomo, you know, a lot of these people, there's a tradition where somebody takes responsibility for, for hosting this huge fiesta. And they, there used to be one person, they would go broke, but they, what they lost in money, they would gain in prestige. But now exactly. nobody, can, no, nobody can afford to do that with one person. And, and so a lot of people get together to host this beautiful town fiesta to the, to the patron saint of the, of the town. And, and that's, they, they really, really do live the tradition and if, if fiercely hold on to it, particularly people like in Tutitlan del Valle and I guess everywhere. I mean, it, everywhere, everywhere. And, and it's so interesting because I, when I, did the PBS show I, I had that was the time when you had to have the book that went with the show and so people would say to me mm-hmm. oh it's so great you're preserving these recipes before they're lost and I'm like these recipes aren't going anywhere these recipes are here to yep. stay till the end of time I mean because this is the it shows like like the passage of time year by year it's the the way that things are celebrated, it really is such an important part of the life here. And they, and they say the Oaxaca is the place of the seven moles, but it's really the 700 moles because everybody Yeah, it's has, the seven million moles, right. Because everybody no, has their like, own version. Yeah. yeah, everybody has their own version. And and uh, like, like one of the things I remember when Kalen, I was thinking he was going to say maybe one of these stories, but... We spend every year at Day of the Dead, we do these courses all through the year, you know, for people to come and study. But every year we go and celebrate on the 2nd of November in this village called Jalapa de Valle, which is way up in the mountains. And these people, we grew tomatoes with them 28 years ago or something, a really long time ago, maybe 27 or something. And then, so um, I would take Kaylin. He was, um, before Jesse was born, we would go up there and have Day of the Dead with them. And they have the morteros, you know, that everybody dresses up like in these outfits so that the spirits can come through them. And they have to drink a lot of mezcal and then the spirits will come. And so I took Kaylin with me and he was like, he didn't want to come home. And he ended up staying like two or three days up in the mountains. And then finally we had this adopted son and we sent him up on a bicycle to go get him. But it was like, he was like, no, I'm staying. And we're like, okay. He was always very independent. But that, they make this mole with, <laughs> and they use like a stick. It's called mole de garrote because it has like this stick. It's a carizo, but that's mm-hmm. how they stir it. And so, yeah. but she has like some of the best mole I've ever had in my life. And it's, and I'm not, I think a lot of it, I don't know, the leña, and it's coloradito, too. It's not negro, it's coloradito. Which means like reddish mole. Yeah, red. right, that's true. That it means reddish now, mole. Not completely red, but kind of reddish. Yeah, it's kind of this brick red, mm-hmm. and that's what we use for uh, also for enchiladas and for the tamales. You know that in the Isthmus, they also have mole, but there's a dish called revolcado where they put all kinds of meat together with dry, with fruits and everything, and... And they stir it until it becomes a paste. I mean, it's like endless hours stirring. And I said to this woman, Venancia Toledo, do you do the stirring? He said, oh, no, oh, no, honey. At this age, you know, it's, it's better to, 
es mejor eh, agarrar el burro que cargar la carga. Es mejor to, to, to lead the donkey than to carry the load. So they have other people, you know, stirring the things, and I guess they do the same thing with molly. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's important to mention just for, for our listeners the idea of what is mole typically paired with, right? We spoke at the beginning of the podcast about the ceremonial aspect of it, of just simply either a tamal or a tortilla on one hand, the mole on the other, and then kind of and just tasting that 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 piece of history and that and the, and that very essential f- moment food memory. Now you typically see mole paired with proteins that don't have necessarily a lot of inherent flavor because you're talking about millennia making mole, so you have wild mm-hmm. turkey, right? Duck, chicken, of course. I think it's important for people that you know when you're working with such an action-packed, flavorful sauce like a mole. It's not something that you would necessarily pair with fish, for, for example. Except for mole verde. Yeah. Except for mole, mole verde. verde. Except for mole verde. But with a few exceptions, is my point. But traditionally, if you have a protein that doesn't have a lot of inherent flavor, perhaps, the mole really brings it up. So just for people at home to understand. So what what, what, I'm launching my, my new website any day now. And we're going to do uh, a, a, a page on every episode that we have. And we've mentioned so many things, mole verde, mole amarillo, and it's very hard to cover and for people to remember what the descriptions are of everything, you know, that we speak of in a moment. So we'll have all the descriptions and we'll really welcome you as contributing articles and photographs and all that. So, it, so it's very dynamic. And so people get cool. the recipes and, and, and people get the information on your school and the information on your line. And also contact Susanna. And Kaylin, individually, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure that everyone has a, a way to correspond with you guys and use you as a resource as well, because uh, this is such a vast topic that we could spend three podcasts it just is. talking about mo- one particular mole. So um, it, I think it's important for everyone that's listening to continue to support and also uh, engage with us and ask questions. I think it's very important. That's great. And so we're doing um, we're doing Zoom classes now because... We haven't had anybody since March 18th. And so we're starting a mole series. Where oh, that's we're wonderful. Seven, seven classes. And I think we're starting March 25th. Um, and then we're also going to help people because some of the chilies are hard. And like Caitlin said, they're so expensive. We're going to send little packages of the hard to find, like chicosle, chihuacle, like the harder find you know harder to find chilies send them to the students you know just little packages not like but we also do sell to chefs like larger amounts but um we're going to do that but to try to explore the moles and you know going back just going back to the question wait i just want to answer the question about the protein because i think that's pretty fascinating because when i studied around the state Uh, Like the one to me, the most versatile is mole amarillo. It's versatile in so many ways, like how you thicken it or the how what chilies you use or the way that it's made. And I think like in Teotitlan, they make those tamales that are wrapped in corn leaves instead of corn husk with the mole amarillo. It's and they make a tortilla. Yeah, they make the tortilla, and it's all pre-Hispanic. They, I, you know, my friend made it for me on the metate. And, and you can just see it's like they use like three ingredients and then you can get it much more complex. But um, to me, the mole amarillo, I've had it with um, 
chicken with pork with, and the herb changes. Mm. So when it's with chicken, it's with hoja santa. If it's with pork, it's with cilantro. If it's with beef, it's with pitiona. With its, and then it's also, I've had it with iguana. If you go to the coast, we lived on this island. Um, your father and I lived on this island where uh, he was growing melons in the coast. And um, everybody was eating these, uh, the iguana, mole, amarillo, tortillas, and uh, tamales. But so it could be made with so many things. Plus in the mushroom in the Sierra North, where we go mushrooming every year and we do mushroom tours, but they eat it with, with everybody makes Amarillo with, with ongos. Oh, wow, with mushrooms, wow. Silvestres, yeah. And I will say on, for uh, Aron's point as well, I think that when a home cook, even a chef or just somebody at home that wants to cook meal for the family and really likes mole, I feel like people shouldn't be intimidated by mole. There's different types of mole. Mole negro, mole poblano, mole chichilo. Yes, that is, uh, I'm going to tell you, me as a, a chef, a cook, that is very complex and very hard to make, even for people who do it on the regular basis. You know, it's a very complicated bit. There is a, there, there's moles. Not saying that other moles are easier to make, but in a sense, in the States, I've been here 10 years now, and I've, lived in a couple of states and I know, not I know, but I've come across with ingredients that you can make mole. I know you can make a mole coloradito. You, it might be challenging just find a good Mexican chocolate, but you have all the ingredients to make mole coloradito in the states. Mole verde, you can make it as of right now, go to the store and buy almost everything. Maybe hoja santa is a little challenging you can, to you find. You can use tarragon instead. Or fennel. Yeah. yeah, mole amarillo, mole amarillo. You can make it chilcosle amarillo. Obviously, you can't find, but you can substitute with guajillo, and you're you're right there. And then I mean, there's it's just a lot of moles that if you really want to achieve a mole negro or mole poblano that has 27, 20, and 30 plus ingredients, it might be a project that you want to do for a special occasion, like over, over a few days. Over a few days, and with somebody with you. <laughs> Because yeah, it's sad, I mean, to, it's sad to make mole by yourself. Mom, talk real quickly the story. We lived in an apartment on the Upper West Side. Tell that little story, Mom, when you made when you made mole at the house. Everybody in the whole building came down, and, you know, to, because and crying because it was just like everybody was eyes were just like totally weeping, and they thought that we were, you know, attacking the building somehow. Wow, that's that story right there. We had a horrible landlord. That's why. <laughs> I don't remember oh, yeah. the whole story. That's I so just, funny. I just remember everybody coming down and complaining. Yeah. You know what's funny? What? You know, I'm sorry. What's funny about that? That when you say the chilies are used for all these things, the Mayans back in the day when the kids didn't behave, quemaban los habaneros, pull them from their feet, put them in the smoke, and a ver si vas no. a cortarte así mañana en la mañana, cabrón. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. like, all right. <laughs> ya, ya me, ya me calmo, ya me calmo. Yeah. I have a story about that from, from, but this is from Yucatan, I guess too. I went to see a birthing ceremony there. And you know how they have the little conical huts there on, on stilts. And there was a young girl having a really hard time giving birth. So this, this healer came with me and she took a handful of chile seeds and threw it in her face. And she sneezed so hard that the baby just slid out. <laughs> 
That, that's <laughs> old school. <Come> on. That's <laughs> a rough way to come into the world. Exactly. You have a, still haven't described Chichilo because, I mean, you said that was your favorite okay. modish. Yeah, I have a hard time breathing the chili. Um, I think chichilo to me, this is going to sound funny, but well, it's a stew like mole. It has beef and pork and it has potatoes, string beans and chayote. And it also has chihuacle with guajillo. And you burn the seeds on top of a tortilla, of a, a corn tortilla. And then you burn it and then you catch it on fire. Then you put it in the water, you rinse the water. But it has all these different herbs and spices. And to me, it tastes like Hungarian goulash. It has, to me, it has kind of more U European spices or something, but it's beefy. It has more of a beef flavor. But, um, but what I really love about it is the, on top of the chichila, we serve it escabeche, which is made with chili de agua. And an onion, lime, and Oaxacan oregano, and salt. So, and escabeche is like a pickled dish. Pickled, yeah, pickled chilies, rajas, the strips of chilies with onion, and um, and that goes on top, and that just like brings out the flavor. So amazing. So you have this like beefy flavor with the beef and the pork, and then you have this really bright acidic topping, you know. And, and I love that. I just love Chichilo. And I remember, um, you know, telling my cooks at the school saying, look, when I die, you know, I don't want mole negro. I want Chichilo because everybody makes mole negro for the funeral. And I'm like, no, no, no. I, and it was really funny because I said it to this woman who was my sous chef. And she's older, and she's like, don't tell me, you know, she didn't want the responsibility. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to tell Jesus, who's like, he's been working with me since he's been 13 years old, and now he's like 30 or something. But um, so he's in charge, and he knows that. So, you know, that's what I want. So I went to a restaurant that had really good chichilo, but it uh -huh. was cold. And I said, oh. this is a, a proof that good food is even, even good, you know, when it's cold. It was, it was not well, supposed to be a compliment, but they took it as a compliment. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> well, I think, I think this has been absolutely amazing. I think the idea of mole hopefully has become a lot more accessible and a lot more easier to understand after this conversation, or as they say in Argentina, it's the charla. Um, mm -hmm. I think this has been unbelievable. I hope everyone uh, please goes, goes out and seeks out uh, Sus uh, Susanna Trilling at her wonderful cooking school. Of course, she's a TV hostess, a caterer, a teacher, and uh, her cooking school, Seasons of My Heart, cooking school is in Oaxaca. So please make it a point. To or, or by Zoom. Or by, or Zoom. by Zoom. Yeah, you absolutely, can Absolutely, by Zoom. Yeah, at, on the website. We're, yeah, we're there. Yeah, absolutely. You so, can so, come. Yeah, and, and make a, <laughs> make a culinary pilgrimage to Oaxaca. Trust me, you will not be disappointed as Susanna said so eloquently, it has all these beautiful microclimates. You have the beach, you have the sierras, the mountains. You have so much to do there, so much to see and so much to savor. Uh, so please make it a point to go um, engage with, with Susanna. Um, uh, her, web, her website or email is susannatrilling at gmail.com. So please feel free to send her an email. I guess I just threw that out there. Sorry, Susanna, if you're going to be inundated. Um, <laughs> 
And then, of course, Kaylin, you know, who is the, the I mean, between you and Jonathan Zaragoza, the, these two young hotshot chefs that are carrying the torch, I'm so proud to see this new generation of chefs that are uh, preserving our, our culture and our food in such a beautiful, smart way. Uh, so please look him up, of course, at, where he's a chef at, at the beautiful La Calenda in, uh, in Napa Valley in Yautville. Um, and I think it's really important to go there and, and give the love and see the food and see his interpretation of the flavors of Mexico. Because I think you'll be you'll be so surprised and so so uh, uplifted by tasting Kalen's food because I know it and, uh, and I know him. And uh, great people make great food. And we've had two of them here, mother-son team, that has really made this podcast talking about moles such a pleasure. So we thank you. Muchísimas gracias. De nuestra corazón. And we're, we're very, very grateful that you took the time. Thank you, guys. Thank you for the invite so much. I want to finish with a beautiful little story of Oaxaca. We were up in, in, in Mijia country. And they were having a, a party and they invited me, you know, to join them. And one of the parents stood up and, and, and said, Hago este ofrecimiento. I make this offering. Porque solo no se puede compartir la vida. Because alone one cannot share life. Others must be there. And that really embodies the spirit of Oaxaca. And the, the spirit that you shared with us today was a beautiful, beautiful experience to have you two here and to meet you, Kaylin, and, and to see you again, dear friend so many years and uh, thank you so much for joining us today thank you guys we just want to thank uh susanna trillian of course and kaylin elrich for joining us today on cooking uh, in mexican from a to z on heritage radio network muchisimas gracias cooking in mexican from a to z is powered by simple cast Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without your support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Yeah.